In about two weeks, I'm going to begin a new series called The Joy of Knowing. The Joy of Knowing. And so I hope you'll be excited for that. It will be out of 1 John, the epistle of 1 John. But for the next two weeks, I really want to share my heart with you um, of a couple of things. Uh, and this is mainly addressed to those who are followers of Christ. Uh, but I believe that even if you're not, maybe you're just kind of investigating, you will uh, you'll appreciate uh, who our God is uh, from our discussion this morning. You know, I find that at times we all struggle with our why. What, why am I here? Why, why am I doing this? Why aren't I doing something else? Why? And we ask ourselves the question, why am I stuck here, it seems, or in this period of time of my life, why am I suffering, or why is family member suffering, or what is my purpose in life? I want to, I want to be productive. I want to, to make a difference in people's lives, but why here, why now? And as we struggle with that why, we try to filter choices that we make uh, to, to make us feel better about the why that we have, to say, this is the, the, the thing that will be productive. This is the why. And, and as we make those choices, sometimes we still face roadblocks. We never get to where we want to be. I mean, then we ask why. We choose one path over another, or one job over the other, because of a desire to, to have the why of our heart answered of, of why I'm doing a certain thing. But as much as we struggle with why, there is a prior step of understanding that we must have, and that is who? Who? Who am I? Who are you? I ask you that question, who are you? Well, if you ask me that, I can say, well, um, humanly, I am the son of my parents, the grandson of my grandparents who have passed. Um, I am the husband of Vicki. I am the father of Lauren and William, and I am your pastor. That's who I am. But that really doesn't say who I am. It, it tells, me, tells you really about the roles and the responsibilities that I have. But does it say who I am? Because I can hide behind a lot of different things, and you can hide behind roles and responsibilities and never, ever get to the point of understanding or telling people who you are. Dale Carnegie said the most beautiful sound in a person's ears is the sound of their own name and we can call each other by a name but that is that really who we are down deep roles responsibility but who are you really not what you do here's the thing the who affects every aspect and every part of your life the who of you are in fact, you and I may go on occasion and often sometimes go against the who and it's not very comfortable for us in life if we're going against the who, if we're, we're, we, who we are really deep down in our soul. We're uncomfortable with that. But fortunately, God has left us in his word for those who follow Christ, the understanding of who we are. And I want to take, I want to track back from, from the work of Christ to now the work of he does daily on our behalf in our hearts and see who that we really are. 
who God has made us to be. You see, you and I once were in sin. We don't really like this thing of sin. Um, but we were. Scripture states we were in sin and, and we were enslaved by sin. It wasn't just that we kind of dabbled around the edges. We were born in sin. Okay, and then we compounded every day. Um, you might try to blame Adam and Eve, but we kind of cement that on every day and every moment, it seems, at some times. And so there was a great gulf betwixt, between us and God. We could not make it because God is holy. He cannot abide sin. He would not let us into his presence because of our sin, because we rebelled to him. And there was no, nothing we can do, no way we could clear that gulf until Jesus. Until Jesus came. And Jesus being very God and very man, the perfect sacrifice, lived a sinless life. And because he lived a sinless life, he could die on the cross and be the perfect sacrifice. And that system that we wondered why God set up in the Old Testament of sacrificing lambs. Why did he do that? Was to, to show the horror of sin. And every year, some animal had to be sacrificed for my sin and the sins of the nation of Israel. And then you see Jesus coming as the Lamb of God, and he's the perfect sacrifice. And forever, the sacrifices cease because he did. When he died, he died once for all. And when he was raised to new life, we have now the power of the resurrection within us if we indeed come. And by his grace, through faith, trust him. Become. And the, word, the Bible uses wonderful words like rescue. It uses the word of ransom to give us the idea that we were tied up. There's a, a new TV show called Ransom. I saw, I read the synopsis, and it's about a hostage negotiator. That is not what Jesus did. He didn't come and negotiate a hostage takeaway. He didn't say, Stacy, if you do really good, if you do these things, then God will let you in. So he said, God, would you take that? And that was not what Jesus did. Jesus became the perfect payment and rescued us. He himself was our ransom. And so we have that. And we have the, the understanding of what Christ has done. He paid this debt completely himself. Uh, the apostle Peter, as he writes in his first epistle, has these words, for you have been called for this purpose since Christ also suffered for you leaving you an example for you to follow in his steps. Talks about the suffering, but Jesus, who committed no sin, nor was any deceit found in his mouth, and while being reviled, he did not revile in return. While suffering, he uttered no threats, but kept entrusting himself to him who judges righteously, and he himself bore our sins in his own body on the cross, so that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. For by his wounds you are healed. Wow. Wow. And that's why when Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father. You can't make that gap. It's too big. No one comes to the Father but through me, through the means of Jesus. And the promise that Jesus says, all the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will not certainly cast out. Jesus ransomed us and Jesus changed our who because the Bible begins to speak of believers now in a different way. Because of the union with Christ, we, we have this 
phrase used over and over in the New Testament of in Christ. Our who has been changed. It's no longer me, myself, and I. I am now, as a follower of Christ, in Christ. In Christ, Romans 8, 1 and 2. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. So what the devil would say, you come to him, hey, you're a dirty, rotten, filthy sinner. Yes, I know. But because I am in Jesus, the Father now does not condemn me. I am free to, as Peter wrote, to live unto righteousness. I'm free to do this. I'm not enslaved by my sin. The power of sin is not over me. The presence is still there. But the power of sin is not constraining me anymore. I have freedom. I am in Christ. He uses, and it's a very simple word, uh, the Greek word, in. Translated in. Well, kind of. Um, it's a primary preposition denoting a fixed position in a place or a time or state. By implication, instrumentality. The instrument of the, the, the working of being in Christ. And it has often a relation of rest. So you and I, if you have come to Christ, you have a fixed position. And that fixed position is in Christ Jesus. So my who has changed. It's no longer me. It's I'm in Christ. God the Father sees Christ. I am in Him. The who of me is no longer just me. I'm in Christ. Continuing in Romans 8, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. So what he's saying? The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin. See, it's real. The, the release from the power of sin over us, not to have to serve sin, not to have to serve the adversary Satan, not to be bound in our chains of whatever it is, that is real because of Christ. He has set us free. The law of sin, the consequences of death, of eternal spiritual death. Now we have spiritual life through Christ. That we may die in this body, but we have life with him, in him, with him, with God forever. And so what is it? Romans 8 continues, verse 37. Because of this, because of all this being in Christ, but in all these things we are overwhelmingly conquered through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor heights, nor depth, nor any created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And there's some security. Not based on me, because I am in Christ. I don't have to keep working for that. We were talking in our grace groups on Wednesday. I think it was Wednesday. And um, those from other religions have a hard time understanding why a Christian would do right because it seems like if you've been given new life in Christ and you're going to get to heaven, then if, and there's nothing you can do to change that if Christ, then I might as well do everything I want to do that's bad. And, and no, that has changed because now the love of God in Christ Jesus that, that does not separate us, we live in, a, in such a way to, because of love. His love transfers the love. We love him and so we live holy. Not that we check up a box for somebody. We live holy. We, we live unto God because we are in Christ. In Christ. Again, and 
And maybe if you have a, a Bible, um, maybe commentary or an app on your phone or computer, uh, those old things you have on desks. Um, if you want to search through the, that formulation in Christ and look at this, another verse, Ephesians 2.13, this is scattered throughout the New Testament. <clears throat> That my who changes because I am now in Christ. But now in Christ Jesus, you were formerly or far off. Okay, he was talking at that time to those who were once Gentiles, who were the, the opposite from Jews. Um, they hated each other. One's pagans, one served the true God. Now they are believers in Christ. They're in Christ together. You were once formerly far off, had been brought near by the blood of Christ. Understand. In that fixed position of in Christ, there's a nearness to God. There's a nearness to God because we are in Christ. So understand your who has to deal with this being in Christ. I am in Christ. That is my who. It's fixed. It's settled. It's near. It's at rest. And there's one other phrase that's used. It's hidden. Hidden in him. Wonderful thing. Colossians 3. But you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So in a figure, in a sense, he says, when Jesus died, you died. You died to your sin. You died all that. And now your life is hidden. So it's not only in, it's surrounded, it's covered, it's protected. I am hidden in Christ. Hidden's not a bad thing. It's a protective thing. I am hidden in Christ. So here's the point. Who you are has everything to do with your position in Christ. Before you can find your why, we're going to talk about that next week. Before you can find your why, it's who. Who are you really? It's your position in Christ. If you come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, you are in Christ. And that is your identification. Galatians 2.19 for through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ and it is no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. You see how my position of Christ has everything to do now with how I live and who I am. Christ lives in me. He's trying to do the work in me. And the life which I now live In the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself for me. So the power in which to live comes from Christ. The identity I have in Christ, my who being hidden and in Christ is also the grace and the power that God gives for me to live. So who are you? You are in Christ if you know him, if you're a believer and Christ is in you. You are in Christ, and Christ is in you. Now let this sink in a minute. If I'm in Christ, and Christ is in me, what do I want others to see? Do I want them to see me? Or do I want them to see Christ? See, because if I'm in Christ... Christ is in me. My identity, your identity is in Christ. It's in Christ. If your identity of Christ, it changes everything about you. See, I believe some of us have maybe come to Christ at an early age and we've forgotten who we are. 
Or maybe you've come to Christ and it's been a couple of years, maybe not early age, but you've come and you've gotten just kind of content with being you again and forgotten who you really are, that your identity is Christ. Is the only thing that matters. He is the only thing that matters. The identity in Christ. So how do I live? Can I, can you be in a place of fixed and settled rest? He says, you don't know what's going on in my life. And I may not. Or I love to pray, but I may not. No. But if you're in Christ, there's a place of fixed and settled rest. You are free from the crushing power of sin and Satan. No, there's still a presence. It's still around you. But he has no power over you except what you give him. Except what the sin in your heart you give to the sin. You've been given given everything that you need to overcome those habits that that are wrong, that are pulling you down, that you know are destructive in your life. For the desires that you know are destructive. You've been given every bit of grace and power to overcome them through Christ because you're in Christ. You're hidden in Christ. He is your identity. We're free from following rules just to make people happy with us. Sometimes we put on a good face. We do things because someone might be disappointed. Instead of because of Christ, then the who becomes me again. If I, let's just say sweet, nice, and kind, If I'm that kind because I want you to think better of me, I am doing it the wrong reason is I'm not showing the the who of Christ in me. I'm just wanting you to see Stacy and pat me on the back because you were sweet and nice and kind. That's unusual. No. I'm denying that I am free to live in such a way that is is grace-filled because of Jesus. I'm free, free from having to satisfy someone besides Jesus. You know, if, if I'm approved of Christ in how I live, then those who love Christ will approve of me. Sometimes we, we do a lot of things out of obligation. They may be good things and right things. They may be exactly what we should be doing by the grace and power of Christ, but we're not doing it for Christ will be glorified. We're doing it because someone may talk to us and shake their finger at us. I'm approved of Christ. Those who love Christ will approve of me because we're in Christ together. How does this affect me? It's my identity in Christ. It's who I am. It's who you are because of Christ. See, God loves you. He cares for you. Jesus has borne your sorrow, your trials, your sin, his own body on the tree. He paid the debt once and for all. And you who have placed your faith in the grace of Jesus have freedom to live for him. And freedom to be identified in Christ. Roy Hessian wrote a book, uh, 1950. Uh, UK pastor, um, an evangelist. He wrote the book, it's called The Calvary Road. If you, it's, it's a short read. Eight chapters, I don't know, maybe 
seven or eight pages per chapter, that much. Um, it's a great book. And as he writes, he talks about his life. He invited um, a group of East African pastors to the United Kingdom. This is the 50s, 1950, uh, to, to preach for him and with him as he went because he had heard of what God was doing in revival in East Africa at the time. So he invited these men uh, to come. And he said as they began to preach, it was very simple. He was expecting something like really earth-shattering and powerful and just compelling preaching. And they were just very simple, direct preaching. And it began to feel as though he was the most wretched in the auditorium. He says in his heart, he was saying, oh, but I'm, I'm the evangelist who called these meetings. I'm the one who planned this. And so why am I? And he began to, his heart began to echo. The reason why he had them come was the emptiness of his heart. And as he began to yield to Christ, in fact, they were so direct. <laughs> um, he said they had, he was taking them to another obligation and he stopped by his house on the way. And uh, his wife came to the door. He spoke a couple words to her and left. And um, they were in the car. The men were in the car. And they left. And as they were driving down the road, one of them asked, was that woman your wife? He goes, yes, yes. I'm sorry. I, sh I should have introduced you. That was, that was my wife. Yes. Was... We couldn't be quite sure because of the way and the manner you spoke to her. And he was, he was kind of taken by back. Um, he was very curt and short. Not very much like a husband would speak to his wife. <laughs> and he said, I begin to see that it was my eye of life, of what I wanted, of who I was, of what I wanted to accomplish in life that was getting in the way of me understanding of who I was in Christ. And as he writes, he says, I come to understand that it's not I, but Christ. And that sea of Christ is really the eye of me, my eye bent into a sea. It's the bending of my eye and my pride into the sea of Christ. And I must say, as with John, with Peter, with Paul, with all of those who say, it's not me, it is Christ. As John the, 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 John the Baptist says, he must increase and I must decrease. The who of who we are comes to real fruition. It, it comes in, in to full bloom when the eye of, of what I want and what you want is now hidden in Christ. And beloved, I want to I want to urge you. I want to plead with you. There is no other way to live as a believer than this. I mean, you can. You're going to fight it. It's going to be hard. You're going to be miserable. Okay? Just saying, I might or might not have been there. Okay, I've been there. And as you fight it, and as I fight it, 
We will be miserable until we understand who we are in Christ. That I must be identified with Christ enough. Anything else that I do, do I do my work well in, in the marketplace? Absolutely. Because it's now a reflection of Christ. Do I, if I'm in school, study well? Absolutely. If I teach? Absolutely. If I'm in the home ministering and serving to those in my family, to my friends, to my co-workers, to everyone I come in contact with. Yes, it changes me because my identity is in Christ. It's in nobody else. I don't, I'm free from having to put myself forward. It's now Christ. And when we do that, he will use you in ways that are remarkable. He's not going to make us all evangelists. But he's going to make where you are the place that is fruitful. That you'll be able to see men and women and boys and girls love Christ, come to know Christ. You'll be able to share Christ's love with them and care for them in such a way, a capacity you never had before because it's not you, it's Christ. It's all of him. Everything is of him. So I ask you today, who are you? Who are you really? That's powerful prayer. Gracious God, we thank you for your mercy and for your grace. God, I, I'm not sure why at this time that you have brought this to my heart. But God, you have done so. And you you have this message for, for not only me, but for those here. And so God, I pray for people here that they would be real before you. They, that we all would be broken of our pride and selfish desires. And that Father, you would do a work in our hearts and lives. Father, we need to see Christ. We need to understand who he is from his word. Understand the salvation we've been given. Understand the freedom that we have to live in such a way that is joyful and abundant. As the apostle John writes. And Lord, we need you. Father, as we as a church of Grace Baptist Church, fellowship as we understand who we are we can better minister to those in the body and those around the community and the world that need Jesus we can love them with your love instead of the flawed nature of our own love we can glorify you so would you do a work in our heart would you change us to be like Christ and we be hidden in him, completely wrapped up in him. That his glory might shine through us and be reflected from us. Thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name I pray.